متأسف إنه أنا الوحيد راح يحكي في الإنجليزي. So first of all, thank you to Dr. Tamari and Dr. Sheikh for inviting me to IPS to Birzeit and to everyone on the panel and everyone here. Um, my talk today will be mostly about uh, my project in general. Um, I'm a student, I'm completing my, my year of field work so far, um, and I am about to start the writing phase. I'm going to return to the States soon. Um, so what I can talk about really is limited at the time. I think it's been useful for me to sit down and to have the opportunity to start to, to put it together, but um, really what I'll do is present a series of notes and thoughts on where I am, the things that I want to study and, and how I've been doing it. So hopefully also uh, some questions of method will come out explicitly and implicitly uh, to speak to the idea of research gaps and horizons. And in terms of the project that I've tried to create, combining approaches from cultural anthropology and human geography, some of the difficulties I've encountered, um, and some of the things uh, theoretically and specifically that I'm thinking about. <laughs> so the idea that animates my research, I think, is, is really the state and the process of building something like a state in Palestine at this present moment. Um, I began thinking about the project uh, and, and looking at the, the PRDP, the Palestinian Reform and Development Plan, and one aspect that I found telling of sort of the future of Palestine economically and pol politically, which was the identification of certain strategic sectors for investment such as tourism, real estate, industrial zones, things like this, and uh, a broad strategy for uh, socioeconomic and institutional development through the encouragement of the private sector, the middle class, and entrepreneurs. Uh, the plans were elaborated in the August 2009 plan of the government and in the recent document on Palestine moving forward, and it came to include the idea uh, that, that the occupation would be ended and a state created ultimately through these mechanisms. Um, and so I had intended to, to come here and study the notion of entrepreneurship and the ways that these practices of encouraging entrepreneurs through government intervention and private development are contributing to this effort. Uh, I thought that this research population would be ideally situated at the confluence point of local, international, cultural, and economic interventions into Palestine. So this is why I chose this group. Um, the problem that I quickly came to realize was that uh, from my perspective and reading these documents, these proclamations really in New York and away from Palestine is that uh, they're really, they're far from, from coherent in the way that they appear on the ground. So. The question really became, if I'm interested in, in economic liberalization, privatization, state building, and ideas of the middle class, about how to study the interaction of these plans and projects and processes on the ground. And again, if they're not coherent, in what ways are the plans productive? This is a really a central component of it. How are these plans productive? And how do I understand this produ productivity without attributing too much coherence to the PRDP or viewing it in isolation? Right. So just a couple of asides first. I mean, when I talk about planning, I'm interested in something like the top-down proposals to build sites, institutions, and ultimately subjectivities, uh, national economy, state, uh, and so on. Second, just as there's little coherence in the appearances of the PRDP, uh, there's also little consensus on what exactly uh, the middle class is. So I'll talk about the middle class, and the middle class is a target a little bit later. But Jamil Hilal says that 38% uh, you know, of Palestine is middle class as defined by a unity of cultural values. I've also heard the argument that in the absence of productive sectors and without a working class, all Palestinians can be considered middle class. And similarly, I've heard the opposite argument, which is that uh, given the economic difficulties and the, the occupied economy, it's not worthwhile to describe any Palestinians as middle class. So where does this leave us? And I think with the imperative of trying to understand the social fact of the concept, especially as it circulates between the plans that target and as a result define what this group is and the way that these people in, in the group will, will understand themselves. Third, it's important just to, to put it out that, that Gaza, I think, is an afterthought in a lot of these plans. 
given the continuous assaults on Gaza, the political separation between the West Bank and Gaza, and the fact that aid there tends to be humanitarian rather than developmental, it seems that these plans really are mostly about the West Bank. Uh, and I think in all three of these ideas also there's a temporal dimension, which is that these plans are really for the future of the economy and for politics, for the composition of Palestinian society, and with some con confusion really as to the geographical link linkages or separation between the West Bank, Gaza, and vis-a-vis -vis Israel. So on this geographical note, it seems clear that Ramallah becomes uh, not only a central site for these interventions, but also a metaphor for the interaction of these processes. Uh, and that they're related to the structure and the structuring possibilities given the West Bank separation from Gaza and the consolidation of uh, Palestinian urban and cultural life uh, away from Jerusalem. So research gaps and horizons. If the intention is to study something like an ideological consensus or how these plans and proposals operate to create a new Palestinian politics and through it, I think, a new Palestinian polity, uh, there's a gap in understanding how they appear on the ground. So the horizon for my research is to try and study them empirically at multiple geographical and analytical scales in order to understand the ways that they are materially productive. So as a student of anthropology, one thing that I'm critical of is, is my discipline's localism. And sort of as a bit of a vulgar description, I'll say that anthropology has reproduced ideas of Palestinian exceptionalism and hence created a research gap in two interrelated ways. The first is specific to the discipline and the second is reflected in the literature. First, I think that the so-called methodological crisis in anthropology has really left us uh, with a sense that what binds us together in our discipline is our method. Sustained, long-term, qualitative field research followed then by a description of our findings in terms of local beliefs and sensibilities, and then really only after that to a broader analysis of their significance. And I agree, and I think it's been clear with the, the other talks that, that, that we've seen, that, that a field engagement is necessary in order to begin to try and understand the concepts in terms of their local situations, and an example of this is how I, I, I ditched the causality of the PRDP. Um, but I believe that knowledge, you know, in anthropology, I mean, I believe that, that knowledge is partial and contingent, and I've, I've taken many lessons from anthropology's decades-long commitment to understanding the position of the researcher and the power dynamics of the research process. Uh, and, and this is not an especially new or unique position. I just want to suggest that one way out might be to think through the relationship between these global and local processes and to try and speculate on the possibilities for links prior to the field engagement. Uh, and not to do it, of course, to celebrate globalization, but instead to make the simple anthropological observation that groups of people and ideologies are not now and have never been static, isolated from, or separable from other groups of people or, ide or, or ideologies. Now, as for the anthropological literature on Palestine, um, I think that most of the focus on local practices without a broader analysis of the links between these groups of people, the constitution of those groups of people, the political environment, and so on, tends to make it difficult for us to see the situation more broadly. Uh, and, and one of the things that's been really uh, huge in anthropology is, is studying resistance in everyday life. And I, I think this is an important project, but I think it really leaves us wanting when trying, trying to understand something like the state building project and its relationship to global economic and ideological practices. Um, and this literature also, I think, is, is embedded in the structure and the politics of the occupation and can reduce those power relationships of colonizer and colonized. And it's no wonder that, that a lot of the anthropological literature that's politically sympathetic to Palestine takes this form. I mean, rarely can the occupied study the occupier beyond this relationship. So the point I'm trying to make after all that is, is very simple, just that the questions we ask dictate to a large extent the answers we get. And I'm trying to suggest that what we might be able to ask slightly different questions and do a little bit of theorizing at the outset uh, in order to try and understand the multiple sorts of overlapping and contradicting spatial, economic, and cultural factors that exist in, 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 in any place or in between any places, um, really to see Palestine in the world. So some specifics about uh, the research that I've been doing so far. Um, 
What I decided I would try and do is to cite an analysis of these topics in institutions where they may or not be apparent. So what I, what I started to look at really is the housing market um, and some of the new town developments, specifically the, uh, the Rawabi development. Um, and I've, I've done ethnography among uh, developers, people in the financial sector, uh, people in the ministries and, and so forth. So just for a little bit of um, context, uh, I'll talk just a little bit about the Rawabi today. I won't talk about the other things. Um, but so it seemed to me like a, an appropriate site to, to, to put research of, of sort of these multiple, multiple topics and how they interact at these different scales. So this is an enormous, ambitious project to build a new city uh, north of Ramallah between uh, Atara and Ajjul and about one kilometer from the settlement of Atarat. Um, eventually, the hope is that it will host, host excuse me, house 40,000 people, and uh, it's being uh, built at a projected cost of about 500 million or more dollars from, from Qatari and Palestinian investors. Last I heard, this number has, has been going up. Um, so the idea of a middle class or affordable housing is central to the way that the project is being conceived and sold, and the idea that is that it will establish not only a new urban environment, but also a style of life for Palestinian inhabitants. The company describes a Palestinian desire for stability and security from the present political situation, but also from a constantly changing urban form, given not only the settlements, but also the way that, that Palestinian building and planning works. Uh, for example, in Ramallah, if you build a house, there's no guarantee that a neighbor won't build one later blocking your views. This is uh, something I, I heard in an interview. Another aspect is the idea that they will be providing jobs and jumpstarting numerous sectors of the economy in terms of building materials, et cetera, uh, and also creating a real estate market. So this new market tied to the idea of building this building a city, this being a city that will serve young families, first-time buyers, uh, is central. They hope for new habits among young Palestinians where buyers will move to new homes rather than expanding on, say, a, a family building. Uh, and there's also a new mortgage structure, uh, structure for mortgage financing that's coming with it. Uh, and there's enthusiasm. I mean, one person I spoke with who is a potential buyer and a former employee of the development company has, uh, has discussed it explicitly in terms of modernity, a desire for services such as TV on demand, and as, quote, a little Dubai in Palestine. So alongside this desire to remake Palestinian culture and allow it to remake itself, uh, in this place is the fact that this is an enormous investment with long-term potential for returns. So the developers suggest that it will alleviate a housing shortage around Ramallah, um, and it is part of a nationalist project to build in the West Bank in order to prevent space for Israeli expansion. But they're, they're also quite clear. Um, we are not a nonprofit, they say, or we are not an NGO. This will, I'll flesh this out a little bit when I talk about the idea of public-private partnership. So the question for me is how these economic and political interventions work together and what it means for the future of politics in Palestine on primarily the national and local scales. Uh, how economic liberalization and nationalism interact in an environment where the possibilities for both are drastically circumscribed uh, by, the, by the occupation uh, and what it means for Palestinians. Um, I'm not very far in the paper and I don't have much time. Um, so the question for me is how these economic and political interventions work to, oh. So I'd like here to elaborate briefly on two questions I have. The first is about the effects of these kinds of public-private projects on the future of Palestine. I think that the statement that Rawabi will be a little Dubai is indicative of something, of the idea that it's going to be somehow a place apart from Palestine, insulated from the geographic and economic context, um, even though it's part of the present and the future of Palestine. And one thing that I think is important is the way that the developers are dependent on the PA for offsite infrastructure and on the quartet to drive down, uh, to pressure Israel for permissions to build the access road, uh, and how, uh, and the PA for driving down costs, and how both are crucial in order to, uh, I'm sorry, 
I got lost. Along these lines, I'm interested also in the process of land acquisition. Um, it's my understanding that while some of the land was purchased from private owners at a market value, other tracts were secured through eminent domain where the official system, as under the Jordanian planning law, was set up to compensate owners. Um, it's relevant here that private, uh, private developers are creating a city that will eventually become an official municipality with official institutions of management and representation. The second question is about planning in the future and is related to the public-private economic in input into these projects. Um, when I was told by a number of people in, in Palestinian private investment, quote, not to overestimate the PRDP and government plans, I was also told that the market requires a political solution and that in many ways uh, these companies are investing for the future of Palestine by investing for the future. In other words, uh, they're building capacities now with an eye towards the future in which a political situation will allow the opening of the market uh, so that they will be there on the ground, really. The specifics of the relationship between economic capacity building and broader future politics are, are, are not totally clear to me uh, because I don't believe that the PRDP is propaganda. I believe that it's productive uh, in different ways and at different ge geographical scales um, and in terms of local interventions, governing structures, the relationships of the PA to donor aid and to Israel and so on. Or if these companies are not humanitarian or nonprofit but also nationalist, what is the embedded vision of the future possibilities of the political relationship with Israel? Um, so on the second question, I have yet more questions. Is there a vision of economic separation, economic links? Do these enterprises function to build a state, to change conceptions of national politics among people, to express politics among proponents of privatization? Um, and I'm willing to speak of economics as social and political concepts, but I, I, I'm honestly, I'm not an economist, and I'm unsure how to understand them uh, in terms of the creation of sectors that will go into a national economy eventually. Um, Furthermore, uh, how do these ideas resonate with the present move towards human security and development, which is a conception that I think implies uh, an aggregation of individual liberal subjects uh, and with language of security that seems really far too military and embedded in a notion of threat. So still, the question is, where does the political solution fit in? And given these sometimes contradictory claims that they're building a liberal population where radical national politics will not seem as relevant, uh, and yet they're dependent on a future political solution, uh, where's the state in all this? Or again, where's Ghazim? Uh, I realize that this might sound a bit causal, as though the perspective requires a state for an economy, or to take seriously the idea that, that the economy is going to build the state, but, uh, but I think I'm trying to understand the messy, contingent, weird uh, processes that are actually contributing to the production of this place, social space, political organization, and Palestinian populace. So what I wanted to do now, and I'll just breeze through it in the last few minutes, is I wanted to start to, to really to talk about um, the way I'm studying the state and sort of my, uh, my conceptions of it and, and sort of a little bit of theory. But uh, I mean, if I'm trying to study the state building process and, and what some kind of an ideological consensus, a neoliberal consensus, whatever, um, I think that one thing that, that, uh, that's useful here is, that, is to understand the state as uh, a mechanism of, of power in relationship to itself, to its subjects, to, to its polity, but also to the global network of nation states. Um, I, t I had this section about uh, a piece of Talal Esed's and I was going to talk about the state and its norm producing functions through administration and through law. Uh, and then after that I, I made an argument for, uh, for historical materialism really. Um, I talked about um, this, uh, this one great footnote in Marx uh, where he's basically laying out historical materialism but he talks about um, 
that the, the way that material processes are related to the relationships of man to nature, but also to the processes of social reproduction, to the processes of the production of social relations, to the processes of productions of mental conceptions in history and through repetition, uh, which is just to argue for a holistic material understanding of the economic and social processes of making our world and our ideas about it. Um, I also wanted to talk about uh, Lisa Taraki's work on, on Ramallah, which I think is, is very interesting and, and sort of striving towards an idea of modernity and the relationship of that to the occupation. Um, but, you know, perhaps we can just leave this for the question and answer session. Um, I'm sorry that I wrote too much. Uh, thank you. Thank <laughs> يعني مداخلات غنية جدا بما يتعلق ببيئة البحث ما يتعلق بالمنهجيات الأطر المفاهيمية اللي تحتكم إليها الأبحاث رح نأخذ مجموعة من الأسئلة ورجاء التعريف على أنفسكم ولمين بتوجهوا السؤال بالآخر لسليم بدي أوجه سؤالي للمداخل القيم جدا لكريم ربيع يمكن أفضل أتكلم إنجليزي مباشرة إذا عندهاش مانع كريم I'm very grateful for your very stimulating Suggestion, although you left a lot either unsaid or undisclosed, I'm not sure. Uh, concerning the project of Rawabi, you gave a picture of, you, you mentioned the word contradictions twice about the objectives and the nature of investment in this particular area. And I wonder, do you think this ambivalence is uh, due to the lack of disclosure on the part of the planners or because they themselves are not really clear in their minds what it is. Is it a middle class project? Is it a new city that, as you said, me me means to insulate a, a new class of people from the rest of the community or because they are not sure uh, how far they can get with the Israelis, uh, given the increased intervention of the settlers in uh, uh, in that area north of Atara. What is the source of this ambivalence? This is my question to you. Okay, is there any other Okay, شكرا اسمي سعد زهران دكتور نصر برايك مين اللي بيتحكم بالسوق الفلسطيني بيرفع سعر المنتوجات الاساسيه للشعب الفلسطيني بينزلها مرات بيرفعها الزيتون الزيت مثلا بيجيبوا كل حقه بيصير 900 بينما في قبل يومين واحد كان يبيع في منطقه البير من جلقاموس جنين 350 شيكل لتنكه الزيت بينما في الله بتوصل 900 بيتجال اظني 1100 1200 طيب 
يعني مين مين يعني مين اللي عمال بتحكم في 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 معاشتنا وفي في حياتنا قضيه كمان الاقتصاد يعني انا يعني بيجي بقول لك قاطع بضائع المستوطنات وما تقاطع بضائع الاسرائيليه يا سلام شو بتفرق هذه عن هاي يعني طب ان كان المستوطن يزور ويكتب لك ميد ان حيفا وخلص يلا اشتري المنتوج مهما عمال بيدخلوا بضاعتهم للسعوديه ولا هذا مكتوب عليه ميد ان ايطالي وميد ان فرنس وهو بضاعه اسرائيليه الدكتوره هذه يا ريت تعرفين على المركز انا اول مره بسمع فيه وبتمنى انه يعني نشوف اذا في له انجازات او له مثلا بحوث عملها او كذا بالنسبه للاخ كريم انا بنظر يعني بطلع امشي في رام الله بحس حالي اني انا غريب عن البلد انا ابن البلد بحس ناس بعرفهم مش يعني في او كنت اعرفهم بس بحسهم انهم من خلال تصرفاتهم بعرفهم مش مين هم ما بعرفش صار البنى العمارات التجاريه حساب البناء القديم الاثري حتى بيوت قديمه بتتحول لكافي شوب بيوت قديم بتحول لكافي شوب ولا بتحول لمتحف او بتحول لشيء كذا بتحول لكوفي شوب بالنسبه للبحث الدكتور مجدي يعني انا بتمنى اني اشتغل في البحوث بس المشكله انه لما بدك تيجي تعمل بحث بيجي بيطلب منك شروط انه والله لازم تورينا بحث عملته سابقا هلا انا صار لي متخرج 12 سنه تقريبا يعني اشتغلت في 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 يعني تعبت استمارات بس ما اشتغل ما عملت بحث هلا انا خلاص من جامعه دمشق مش عارف كيف ان الواحد بيعمل بحث بعدين يجي يقول له تعال اشتغل معنا رجع الاختصار آه يعني مش عارف احنا يعني انا شوي شوي عمالي بنسى البحث الاجتماعي عشان هيك بضطر امسك البحوث اللي بتنعمل واطلع عليه عشان ما انساش فمش عارف كيف ممكن الواحد يشتغل كيف يشتغل يعني وقتاش راح يشتغل شكرا شكرا لكم شكرا تفضل عمر عودي سؤالي للدكتور نصر يعني أنا بأكد على كلام السائل اللي قبلي وين تدخل الحكومة في نظام إذا كان في نظام حر بالأمس القريب صارت موضوع البندورة حديث الشارع صارت قضية قضية رأي عام الكل يحكي فيها يعني الاستغلال أفضل للوقت بلاش نكرر يعني طيب نفس الأسئلة بس بأكد على الكلام نعم. اللي تفضل فيه والسؤال الثاني للدكتورة هديل شو كنت تعني في كلمة الإذاء النفسي للجيران للسيدات في غزة شكرا شكرا روجر هناك ممكن روجر هيكوك سؤالي للدكتور مجدي تشرشل قال مرة أنه الديمقراطية هي أسوأ النظم باستثناء كل النظم الثانية هلا سؤالي هل مشاكل البحث في فلسطين هي بالمقارنة مع أماكن أخرى هي مش أحسن كتير أحسن كتير كل شيء نسبي لو نقارن مع سوريا أو شو اسمه الاستبدادية أو لبنان الطائفية إلى الآخر وبعدين 
خاتما لسؤالي ليش اذا في حل قد من الصوبات امام الباحث بيجي حل قد من الباحثين المحليين والدوليين يشتغلوا بفلسطين ما وبيروحوش محلات اخرى اللي قد تكون اسهل الشغل فيهم اخر سؤال بناخذه هون يعني سؤالي هو لكريم والدكتورة هذه الدكتور نصر مع بعض ربما بشيء شامل يجمع بين الثلاثة في النظرية التنموية الفلسطينية بين قوسين كلمة نظرية على افتراض أنه في نظرية كان الحكي بدور على أساس أنه تعالوا تنعمل تنمية من أسفل إلى أعلى bottom up process for development وحتى فياض صور على انه بنجورن فلسطين لانه حكى انه بدي اعمل التنميه من اسفل الى الى اعلى طبعا ننسانا من التشبيه ولكن بالمفارقه الحركه الصهيونيه هناك لما بدات في عمليه البناء الدوله بدات من اسفل الى اعلى وجهت بمقامه فلسطينيه ولكن كان في لها دعم دولي فبالتالي استطاعت تبني الدوله من اسفل الى اعلى الآن يقال إنه نحن عندنا حالة شبيهة، إنه عندنا نحن في عندنا سلطة فلسطينية، في عندها دعم دولي وفي احتلال بمنع الحركة، لكن في النهاية الأمل إنه مع الدعم الدولي نقدر نوصل لهالدولة، لهالدولة. فشو تقييم كل هالقصة هذه يعني؟ بالتالي يعني إحنا جربنا طرق تنموية سابقة وهلا عم بنجرب هذه الطريقة اللي تسمى البوتوم أب، هل في إمكانية هذه الطريقة نفكر بطريقة إنه ممكن تكون ناجحة مثلاً؟ يعني مثلا اذا وفرت ضمانات نجاح خطه فياض في المنطقه سي وفي القدس مثلا واذا ضمنت مساله كمان خطه غزه اللي قدمت في مؤتمر شرم الشيخ في اذار 2008 2008 انه تطبق كل هذا مع بعضه مع الهيومن سكيورتي اللي حكيت عنها الامن الانساني ممكن يخلق حاله جديده هذا هو سؤالي الاجمالي شكرا هذا كان عندك سؤال اوكي تفضلي هذا سؤالي لدكتور نصر عبد الكريم هو عن اقتصاد السوق وانه هل بيصلح انه احنا نحاكم نتيجه اقتصاد يدعي انه اقتصاد سوق او بادي من بريمس انه هو اقتصاد سوق على نتائجه اذا كانت عادله ولا لا اقتصاد السوق مش مصمم يعني تلزق تلزيق لما سال يعني لو حدا بده يسال اذا اقتصاد السوق بيكون عادل لقى انه يمكن انا بكون عادل باحترامي لسيرتن رايتس للناس حقوق حقوق ملكيه بس ما كانش بدور على اي ولا بيدعي انه راح يكون قادر يوفر اي نوع ثاني من انواع العداله وبالتالي لما سالت السؤال عن انه هل الاقتصاد الفلسطيني هو وبيكونه مش اقتصاد سوق هل بيوفر اي عداله ما هو بادي اصلا من بريمس انه ما راح يوفر عداله السؤال الثاني عن السلطه المقاومه كمان نفس الاشي يعني السلطة ما بدت ولا اجت عشان تكون سلطة مقاومة ولا ما كانش في حتى توقيع الاتفاقيات كلها الاقتصادية قبل ما حتى تتكون السلطة كان في تصور لايش دور السلطة وكان تصور بيستثني انها تكون سلطة مقاومة 
لأن اقتصاد مقاوم يعني أنا بسأل لو افترضنا أنه السلطة بدها تتبنى طرحك أنت بأنه خليكون اقتصاد ميكست ايكونومي بين سوشيالست وبين ماركت ايكونومي طب هل أنا السلطة بتقدر تعمل إشي؟ السلطة بوجودها بالمحددات اللي عليها هل في إمكانها؟ يعني أنا بدي أطالبها بإشي لو أنا بدي أطرح بديل على سلطة وبوجودها يعني وإذا بدي أترك فرضية إنها قائمة بدي أطلب إشي اللي هي بتقدر عليه بس أنا مش متأكدة أن تغيير السياسة الاقتصادية هو أمر مقدور عليه من قبل هاي السلطة وهذا هو يعني شكراً للمداخلات وبحاول إذا بقدر أجيب على سؤالين سريعات أستاذ زهران أستاذ عمر يعني متحكم في الأسعار يعني بعتقد بأنه يعني يفترض أنه قوة العرض والطلب في الأسواق أنه تحكم بالاسواق بالاسعار وبدناش نغفل جانب البعد الدولي في مساله اسعار السلع لانه مرات كثير بصير في حمى في الاسعار في الخارج احنا نستورد التضخم لانه احنا في النهايه جزء من منظومه العلاقات الاسرائيليه ومعناش عمله وطنيه مشان نقدر نخفف اعباء المواطنين هذه التقلبات في الاسعار هي برايي بتعزز ما اقوله انا بانه الحكومه يجب ان لا تكون في المقعد الخلفي للاقتصاد الفلسطيني على الاطلاق لانه يعني في النهايه الحكومه والدوله بجوز نيجي لهدا بعدين لازم يتامن الناس من مسالتين، امن بسموه الامن البشري الانساني اللي مصطلح الهيومن سكيورتي وجزء منه الاقتصاد الامن الاقتصادي والدفاع عن عن وجودهم وذاتهم. وبالتالي خلاف ذلك بصير يعني السؤال الشرعي والمشروع انه ليش بدي دوله؟ انا شو بدي حكومه؟ إذا إذا حكومة ما قدرتش ترفح من الناس من سعر بندورة يصل ليتجاوز سعر دجاج معناته مشكلة جدية في مسألة آليات عمل السوق وآليات توفير إدارة البلد للاقتصاد. الدول لما بصير فيها ارتفاع من هذا النوع عندها وسائل وموارد كافية لتتدخل يا إما بتدعم المنتج يا إما بتوفر في الأسواق بتشتريه بتعيد بيعه.